How can we as moms and moms-to-be who are more overwhelmed and worried than ever about our kids find natural, safe, effective, and real-life ways to nurture and cultivate amazing human beings? That is the question, and here are the answers. This is the Parent Coffee Talk, and I'm Dr. Roseanne. I'm Dr. Cleopatra. Let's get started. This is Dr. Cleopatra. I'm here with Dr. Roseanne, and we you can see both of us as well as our special guest. And as always, this is for educational purposes only. We are live. Yes, we are. Hi, Dr. Roseanne. Hello, Dr. Cleopatra. Hello, everybody who's here to join us. Um, Hi, everyone. So- Great to have you. Great to have you. We're here for the parent talk and, you know, the parent coffee talk. It's something that Cleopatra and I, you know, have wanted to do. And, and we thought this was a great time because everyone is really struggling and we're here to support, you know, the health and well-being and the mental health of children and families and moms and anybody who needs it. What we wanted to do is, like I said, to support you. And every day we are going to bring on an amazing expert. Uh, And today we have Dr. Elisa Song, who's going to be joining us shortly. We're out of our minds with excitement. We're so excited to have Dr. Elisa Song. She is a leading holistic pediatrician. She has written an incredible and thorough article on the coronavirus, the novel coronavirus that we're seeing currently that has been downloaded hundreds of thousands of times, if I remember that correctly. And she was also featured in National Geographic about whether families should cancel their spring break travel due to the coronavirus. So she is an incredible expert who has a lot to say and a lot to say in particular to help all of us separate fact from fiction when it comes to the coronavirus. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And yeah, she really has brought some great information to the table for parents to help make decisions going forward. And, you know, so we're all feeling very stressed. And that's really what Dr. Cleopatra and I, this was born out of trying to support Mm -hmm. people who were trying to reach out to us. So we thought, you know what, let's make our community, let's help people. And every day we're going to bring something every day at 3.30 Eastern and um, 12.30 Pacific to help you along in this journey that we really have never been through before. This is only the fourth time that we've had a pandemic and we really wanted to make sure that we brought you the right information. And that's what Dr. Elisa is going to do today. And certainly if anybody has any questions, you know, Mm -hmm. please let us know. And if there's anything that's going on that you feel like in your world that we could help you with, that's what this is about. We're going to let it, we're planning, but we're also going to organically really try to support you. Right, Cleopatra? Absolutely. 100%. So our goal with these parent coffee talks is 
to serve our community and answer the questions that are coming up that people feel like they need answered quickly so that they can take immediate and intelligent action. And what we really want to focus on with these coffee talks is what are the things that are within our control? So having accurate information, having the highest quality information, having information that isn't sensational in any way that is grounded in being realistic, but also in what's possible for us and our families going forward based on fact and scientific probability. And then once we know that information, what are the things that are within our power to control? And that's what we want to bring to you as our focus for these parents coffee talks, because I know there are a lot of places you can go to read about things. And a lot of times you get information. And then the question is, what do I do with this information? And maybe it's also, oh my gosh, I have this information and I feel even more scared than I did before. Or is this information suggesting that I shouldn't be concerned and that I don't really need to take action? So this is the place where you can get the right balance of accurate information. And I believe setting the right tone for that information and then really focusing above and beyond that on what are the things that are within our power to control going forward for ourselves and for our families. So today, the topic that we are focused on is how to manage our own anxiety in a very anxious time and in a very anxious world. And so Dr. Elisa Song is coming to help us separate fact from fiction so we can keep everything in perspective. And then after that, we'll talk about what are the things given the facts that we can do to manage our own anxiety when the world around us feels really anxious and we're being bombarded with that anxiety and that energy. And we all know that helping our children starts with looking inward and taking care of ourselves. And so that's why we're starting with helping the grownups, helping ourselves first. I like to say you have to put your own oxygen mask on first. Yes. So that before we take care of kids, and that's why we're starting with us. And I'm assuming it's mostly moms. And, you know, it's really important that first of all, this is stressful. So let's just say what it is, that this is uncharted territory. This is serious. We don't know every component of it. And it's okay to feel uncomfortable. And we're not used to feeling like that. But as Cleopatra said, we can have control in this situation. And that's really what we're going to focus on. Mm-hmm. But the first thing that you can focus on, minus the ambulance passing by, <laughs> is... Um, <laughs> Hi, Dr. Elisa Song. We're so oh, excited to have you here. Hi. Oh, can good. you hear me? We just started the dialogue, Lisa. We're just talking about, you know, moms and what we can control. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. our own level of worry and stress and how important it is for us to feel calm um, the best that we can in this hard situation. But I think one of the things that is causing a lot of distress for families is inaccurate information. And we're so grateful to have you here as such yes. an expert on the accurate information. So thank you. Oh, um, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. So let's start with the basics, Elisa. You know, what do people need to know about the coronavirus? And what are symptoms? What should they do? And we'll let you lead. Yes, yeah. absolutely. 
Of course, you know, I mean, and I tell people really, I'm not an immunologist, I'm not an infectious disease doctor, but I am a pediatrician and a mom. And I just wasn't sure, right? I wasn't sure what to believe, what not to believe, what was true, mm-hmm. how afraid we should be, how calm we should be. <laughs> you know, it runs a gamut, right? From people who are on the one end, I'm not worried about it. I'm going to go out, you know, like usual. I'm not going to let life stop for me. And on the other hand, you know, from complete panic and fear. And so I did all the research I could because I needed to know what I should tell my patients and yes. also how I could keep my kids and my family safe. Yes. Right. Because in the beginning, yeah. well, we knew the devastating impact in China, but we weren't quite sure what that meant for our families. If you're a mom, mm-hmm. you know, what does that mean for your kids? Because our directive as moms is to keep our kids yes. healthy and safe, right? Yes. And so what is coronavirus? Well, in the in coronavirus, or I should say what is the current circulating coronavirus that has yes. everyone freaked out, right? Because yes. we know that there are many, many different coronaviruses out there. Mm-hmm. Um, many of them cause either no known symptoms or symptoms that are really just the mild common cold. Mm-hmm. What we are concerned about now, though, with, with the circulating coronavirus is that this is what's called the novel 2019 coronavirus. Mm-hmm. You're also going to see terminology um, it will be called 2019 NCOV, mm-hmm. is the other name for the virus. Mm-hmm. Or you'll also see it as SARS-CoV-2, mm-hmm. which is really confusing because, you know, we many of us remember the SARS epidemic that was, yes. that, you know, back way back when. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason that is, is because SARS and MERS are and were caused by human coronaviruses mm-hmm. and this circulating novel coronavirus that we're learning more and more about. Uh, it was just announced in uh, Wuhan, China, the first cases on December 31 of 2019. So we have to remember, we only have two and a half, actually three and a half months of data on yes. this new coronavirus. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So what we do know mm-hmm. is that it's very similar to the coronavirus that caused SARS. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's called Mm SARS-CoV-2. Now, people will also see the term COVID-19. So COVID-19 is not the virus. COVID-19 is the respiratory infection that the new coronavirus is causing. Mm -hmm. So what are the symptoms? And this is where it gets really confusing because Mm -hmm. we are also still in North America and in many parts of the world in the middle of influenza season. Friday, I just saw a family of four, all four of them tested positive for influenza A. Yes. Just the week before, I saw two cases of influenza B. So mm-hmm. we are still seeing a lot of influenza. We're seeing a lot of colds. Yeah. And then to top it off, it's March right now. I'm looking outside, the cherry blossoms are in full bloom. Environmental it's allergy. allergy. It's yeah. allergy season. And I know yeah. if, if my voice sounds a little froggy right now, I've been congested and sneezing mm-hmm. with allergies. My eyes are itchy. But of course, the fear grips you and you're like, oh my gosh, is yes. this coronavirus? Isn't it? Is? Yes. <laughs> so, what are the symptoms of coronavirus? Yes. Similar, similar to the flu, mm-hmm. where almost always there will be a fever mm-hmm. and a cough. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is key. And now, Dr. Elisa, do we know what the timeline looks like? Are people typically getting a fever first and then a cough? Like, how is that? What does it look like for people? Yeah, yeah. So typically, so again, the, the incubation period we know is on average 
It's about two to 14 days. Mm -hmm. Um, Most people are getting symptoms within four days of getting exposed. Mm -hmm. Um, It typically starts with a fever Mm -hmm. and maybe some body aches, Mm -hmm. right? So fever first, and then the cough develops. Now, and other, does the fever have to be a high fever? Now, again, I'm trying to get out yes, the misinformation yes. that we're hearing. Yeah. Yeah. So fever is typically high, right? So and, a 102 or above. Yep. Okay. Now, now, with the caveat that very young kids, kids who, and adults who are immunocompromised may not show much of a fever. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um but, uh, you know, with, with the fever, so typically there's a fever and there's cough and maybe some shortness of breath, right? That mm-hmm. feeling that you can't catch yeah. the breath. And is cough. it true that the cough is dry and not wet, not phlegmy? Yes, usually. Okay. Right? And I wish I could say for sure, this is actually right. always, but, but the most common, common presentation is fever and a dry cough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, there have been case reports of maybe some kids presenting with diarrhea. Mm-hmm. That's not common. What are more commonly also associated are going to be some body aches, fatigue, right? You want to be a couch potato and maybe a little sore throat, sore throat, mm-hmm. right. um, maybe a headache, right? Mm-hmm. What's really interesting to note is that runny stuffy nose is not that common, mm-hmm. right? Right. So that makes me feel much better. You know, when I see a patient coming in with a runny stuffy nose sneezing, Mm-hmm. is not a common feature, mm-hmm. much more likely to have a common cold or allergies, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so now what we worry about are that, of course, you know, what's in the media every day, and we can talk about why it's so important to limit your media exposure, especially now, yes. right? Because it is, you cannot pick up the paper if you still read the paper, right? Yes. <laughs> or more likely you're going to be on your, your newsfeed, right? Mm-hmm. And just see another report of, you know, how many more deaths there have been across the country. And we need Mm -hmm. to take that into context. The deaths are devastating. We cannot take those lightly. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the vast, vast majority, over 80% of people are are, uh, reported to have mild symptoms Mm -hmm. and not go on to need hospitalizations or intubations, ICU care, and not go on to have sepsis and death. So that's really important to remember. And especially as parents, it's really important to remember that children Mm -hmm. seem to be relatively spared. So it's not not that children can't get COVID-19. It's just that kids, when they get COVID-19, they appear to present with very mild symptoms and maybe even zero symptoms, be completely asymptomatic. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, that is a particular concern in a way, right? I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, right? I can be a yeah. little easier that Kenzie yeah. and Odie are relatively protected. On the other hand, what I worry about then is whether or not our children are really the, the most common vectors for transmitting yes, exactly. the disease to vulnerable mm-hmm. populations, right? Like grandparents. Yeah. My sister was supposed to fly to Florida to see my mother and my stepfather who are in their 70s mm-hmm. um, this week for their spring break. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and she was on the fence until very last minute and finally decided not to go. Yeah. And I, I'm going to have to recommend that children really for this time, while we are practicing social distancing, mm-hmm. um, really minimize your contact and all unnecessary contact with those we know are vulnerable. Yes. Um, so who Absolutely. are those who are vulnerable? Mm-hmm. Vulnerable age seems to be the number one factor. Yes. Over 70, for sure, over 80. Mm-hmm. Much more at risk for serious complications and death. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then we also have people with chronic illnesses or chronic health concerns, mm-hmm. um, autoimmune illnesses, uh, mm-hmm. diabetes, high blood pressure. If you have a family member who has a chronic health concern, especially one that's not in good control, because mm-hmm. I do get this question, well, my child has asthma. Does that mean he's more at risk? Um, what about Hashimoto's? What about, mm-hmm. you know, any other concerns? And, mm-hmm. you know, if you can be well and thriving with your chronic illness, or you can be sick with your chronic illness. So if you were doing all the right things to be as healthy as possible, even if you have a chronic health concern, that minimizes your risk. So really, this is the time to you know, step it up and take care of yourself and teach your children lifelong healthy habits for absolutely right. Mm-hmm. This is really, you know, we want to look at some of the unanticipated opportunities here for our kids, exactly. our families, right? Um, I just wanted to ask a question on this note, because you hear people talking about, well, it's this crazy stressful time and the kids are at home anyway. And so that, you know, we're just lounging around watching TV and eating junk food. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's actually the perfect opportunity to teach the opposite of that, right? Like how do we be resourceful in this moment and still get to move our bodies even when we have limited physical space? How can we focus on eating the foods that nourish our minds and our bodies and, and boost our immune function? How can we focus on getting the benefit of social relationships, which actually protect our immunity that's right. Even when we're That's in right. this moment of social distancing. So I wonder if you have any thoughts on that. I want to remind people that in this day and age of technology and things like this, where we uh-huh. can FaceTime yeah. you know, our family members yes. and friends, yeah. you know, as much as I try to limit technology, this is a time where you we really it. want to remember that we are yeah. fortunate to be in this position where social distancing does not have to mean social isolation. Exactly. Because we know that isolation mm-hmm. is a risk factor for uh, for poor health outcomes, mm-hmm. right? It so is. staying connected, you know, FaceTime the grandparents, set up fa- virtual play dates. It also doesn't mean social distancing doesn't mean that we have to stay indoors all the time. Yeah, and, right. You know, not not all of us, especially here in the Bay Area in California, we don't have big yards. It's not like we yeah. can go out like yeah. golf, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, yesterday it was raining, but when there was a little lull. I took the kids out, you know, we went up to the park, we did not meet a group of 20 kids at the park, it was just my kids and me, mm-hmm. so we, and there were other families who were playing in family units, right, mm-hmm. kicking the ball back and forth, and, you know, we just went around the track and, you know, kind of explored some more trails, but we did that as a unit so that we still can maintain that that six-foot bubble. Yeah. Right? Um, yes. <laughs> the fresh air is really important. And in terms of the, the, the factors for when we are social distancing, when we are staying at home and trying to protect our communities and slow down the spread, um, this is also the time to talk about um, to our kids. What can we do to keep our bodies healthy, our brains healthy, our immune systems healthy? What can we do so that our body is as strong as possible, mm-hmm. you know, for if and when we get coronavirus? Mm-hmm. Um, what can we do to keep our, our communities healthy and safe? Mm-hmm. So this is a great time, Elisa, to ask the question. So if a, a parent thinks their child has a coronavirus, you know, so we talked about some of the symptoms. We talked about there being a crossover, particularly with the flu, but also in that if you think they have allergies or a cold because they have a runny nose, then they probably don't. But if they think they do have coronavirus, what's your best tips? What, how should they handle this? 
Okay. So given that most coronavirus infections are going to be mild, right? Mm -hmm. Even for us as adults, right? Mm -hmm. One of my first suggestions is to really do what you would normally do if it were a cold or a flu-like illness. And the vast majority of of us are not running to the doctor's office and not running to the ER Mm -hmm. immediately. Mm -hmm. So only consider going to the doctor or going to the ER if you would have otherwise. Now, if your child is having trouble breathing, then absolutely go, right? If they're dehydrated, haven't had any urination, you know, in over eight hours, call your doctor. My first step would be, you know, if you're concerned, call your doctor, right? And talk about, is it time to get tested? Now, testing is a whole other problem because yes, LabCorp and Quest have rolled out testing. Many hospitals have, but we are still very, very limited in our resources. And we are still triaging who should get tested. So we're still limiting at Stanford uh, right now. Currently, they are still only testing those with fever and respiratory distress, right? Mm -hmm. Trouble breathing um, Mm -hmm. and severe cough. They're not testing everyone who comes through the door. And I would urge parents to really remember or know if they didn't know that many, many cases in China were really because of people who were waiting in lines and crowded in these small waiting rooms in the ER to get tested, where as if they didn't have coronavirus in the first place, they caught it there or transmitted it to other healthy people if they did have it. Again, the social distancing, very important. As an integrated pediatrician, there are a a lot of things that I use that I have in my toolkit that I teach families because Mm -hmm. as we know for coronavirus, there is no zero known cure or treatment. Mm -hmm. We have nothing that we can Mm -hmm. do from Mm -hmm. a conventional medicine standpoint Mm -hmm. except watch and wait, Mm -hmm. maybe give some symptomatic relief. And mm-hmm. now there's some, uh, you know, some possible evidence that ibuprofen may not be beneficial. Although I have a blog post that I'm writing and literally it's, you know, it's been on my mind because I need to really uh, tell parents what we should know about ibuprofen, reducing fevers. But I do use a lot of natural medicines, homeopathy, herbs, um, essential oils, acupressure points. And this is not to say that this will cure or treat your child with coronavirus. However, knowing that many of the symptoms are very similar to upper respiratory infections, colds, and to mm-hmm. flu-like infections, mm-hmm. we can do a lot of the same things. Mm-hmm. So I will use as my first line, oscillococcinum, mm-hmm. which is a homeopathic flu mm-hmm. uh, remedy. My, the typical dose is one vial. You just take the whole vial, suck on it, you know, three times over a 24-hour period. My kids um, love it. They always want more. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, no homeopathy is not hard to sell for kids. Vitamin D, and some of these things, hopefully your kids will already be on, and we can talk mm-hmm. about what, what preventive things to do also. Um, but vitamin D, vitamin C, increasing that when you're sick. Um, what we want to know is when we're sick with an infection, whatever it is, the infection creates inflammation, right? Creates mm-hmm. free radicals in our mm-hmm. body. And it's actually not the infection that makes us feel sick. Right. Because in this family of four, this is a perfect example who had influenza A, the dad and the oldest boy, they were on the couch. I mean, bleary eyed, looked miserable, could barely move. I mean, they just looked like a train hit them. Mm -hmm. Mom looked okay. She was actually, you know, doing pretty well, but but she just had a headache and, and a stuffy nose. The baby, 18 month old, running around, little snotty nose, but playing with the toys, acting like nothing was going, right? <laughs> they, they, they all had influenza A. So 
uh, clearly it's not just the infection that makes you sick. It's our body's response to the infection. Yes. So we create free radicals and we need antioxidants, right? Yes. Free radicals are, are, is another term for oxidative stress. Yes. So we need free radicals. Uh, sorry, we need antioxidants to mop up those free radicals to help us feel better, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. our body's inflammatory response. So when we have enough antioxidants on board, when we're sick or we can throw them on, you know, after we get infected, we can get better so much faster. We also mm-hmm. feel less sick. So what are those antioxidants? Vitamin C is a major antioxidant. Yes. So I supplement when we're sick. But at baseline, you want to get all those antioxidants from colorful fruits and mm-hmm. vegetables. So yes. think color because that really is where you're going to get all of your antioxidants. And that really goes such a long way. And first of all, reducing the likelihood that you'll get coronavirus in the first place, maybe, yeah. but also significantly reducing the likelihood that you'll feel really sick and have major complications. And the good news is at the grocery store, there seems to be a lot of vegetables currently available. That is exactly yeah. right. <laughs> like all the junk food is gone. So like, I that is so funny. Thinking it's a comfort food being actually healthy food, right? Yes. Now so, let's talk yeah. about, you know, let's talk about that junk food, right? Yeah. Because that's really important for moms to understand. When life is topsy-turvy and we're stressed out, you know, many of us, not just kids, but adults yeah. who will reach for the ice cream carton or, or we'll reach for the chocolate. And especially now that is really one of the worst ideas that you can have because one of the first things that I'm recommending to families is just cutting out the sugar, right? Yes. That refined sugar in their, in their household. Um, we know that sugar, so refined sugar, um, within about two hours of ingesting and lasting up to about five hours significantly reduces your white blood cells ability to mm-hmm. speak up those mm-hmm. viral or bacterial particles that you've been exposed mm-hmm. to, which is exactly why, you know, when your kids go to a birthday party and there's Skittles and there's cupcakes and there's ice cream, right? All that junk food. No wonder that they come home and the next day you're like, oh yeah, they have a fever now. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like so, invariably. Yes. Yes. So we, I've already had that conversation many times yes. over with Kenzie and Bodie and they know for this time, the next two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, however long it takes, sugar is not going to be a part of our diet. Now, mm-hmm. am I going to give them occasionally a little bit? Yeah, a little bit, right? But but it's not a free-for-all, right? Just because we're home and yeah. schedules are different does not mean that our schedule should be significantly different at home. Mm-hmm. We still want to maintain you know, as much of a, a, a normal schedule within this different structure of life that we have as yeah. possible. But yeah. sugar, number one, get out the sugar, swap it out for fruits and vegetables. Really, this that could be one of the most important swaps that you make for your family. You know, and it's such a good point because people don't understand when we say no sugar, it's really about what it does to the immune system. So thank you for bringing that yes. up. Yep. That is something moms and dads can control right now. Yeah. And that's what it's really, really about. So in understanding, and just to recap, like if a parent thinks, this is what I'm hearing every practitioner say, if you think your child has a coronavirus and you're unsure of what to do, call your physician. Don't run to get tested unless yes. you obviously trouble breathing. Let's talk about our immunocompromised kids. And what you would consider immunocompromised is it kids with asthma. You know, you you and I both work with kids with hands and pandas, autism. You know, these are kids that tend to struggle more with infection. 
Can you give any, you know, tips or suggestions or advice for those families? Because I'm getting a lot of questions from those families. Yes. So for the kids with Pans and Pandas, and I just spoke with Scott and Ellen Antoine. Yeah. Yes. Live on that. And so I would say if you have a child with Pans or Pandas or have a child with autoimmunity or, you know, any immune compromise, we, we spoke a lot on some of the ways that we might specifically help support our kids during that time. And um, they'll be back. They'll be on this. Yeah. They'll be coming here as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I do have concerns. You know, I see a lot of kids with autoimmune illnesses too, juvenile arthritis, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis. Those may confer higher risk for more serious illness. Um, so for those kids, especially I would say it's, it's very, very important to make sure that diet is clean, that you're mm-hmm. sleeping enough mm-hmm. by getting your fill of sleep because mm-hmm. sleep really is important for the immune system. Getting outside, moving your body a little bit, getting some exercise. And then for all kids, but especially kids who have underlying chronic illnesses, I do recommend supplementing with vitamin D. Mm-hmm. I do recommend probiotics and fish oils. I would likely throw in some extra glutathione, right? Mm-hmm. Just to really make sure that your kids' immune systems have the best chances possible, even yours, right? Many adults have, you know, autoimmune disease in adults is rampant, Hashimoto's, right? And for those people that don't know what glutathione does or is. So glutathione is our master antioxidant. It's mm-hmm. a compound that, that is made in our body that we can also, we can enhance the production of it um, either with direct glutathione supplementation or with something called N-acetylcysteine, or we always want to talk about food as medicine with mm-hmm. all of those yummy cruciferous vegetables, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, kale, cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, collard mm-hmm. greens, all of those did I say cabbage? All those yummy yes. vegetables. Yeah, yeah. They're sulfury vegetables, but they really help. Epsom salt baths will enhance glutathione. Now, mm-hmm. why is glutathione important? Glutathione is, again, our master antioxidant. So remember, I mentioned those free radicals. Glutathione will immediately kind of mop up all those free radicals and help us feel so much better when we're sick. Glutathione also helps us detoxify whatever else is going on. Really important for the liver. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, unfortunately especially here in Silicon Valley, we're not seeing that many cars out right now because everyone's at home, but um, we have a lot of other toxins that are stressing out our immune system. Yes. We know that depletion of glutathione. So what's really fascinating is um, Tylenol, acetaminophen. Mm -hmm. We know that Tylenol depletes glutathione levels and can Mm -hmm. impact the liver. Now Mm -hmm. there is evidence that uh, taking Tylenol during viral infections, this was looking at varicella, chickenpox, but taking Tylenol during that time can actually prolong the duration of your illness mm-hmm. and the severity of your illness. Mm-hmm. These are viral illnesses. So um, this is where I talk to parents a lot about not having fever phobia, mm-hmm. right? Fever is our body's natural response to killing are fighting infections, doing its job, um, reducing fever artificially can hinder that process, make it a little harder for our immune system to do what Mm -hmm. it's trying to do. Mm -hmm. So not that I never treat fever, but when do I really consider giving a fever reducer? It's not the number. It's looking at your child. Because some kids at 100, my daughter, my daughter, she was 105.5 when she had influenza B while we were in Hawaii. Right. This is oh, a match. Wow. Oh wow. So this is a B, right? Oh, <laughs> we were all together in January. And yes. so, um, but she was laying on the couch. 
cheeks were bright red. She was kind of, you know, glassy tired, but she was talking to me. She was drinking. She was, you know, acting okay. Mm-hmm. I was shocked when she was 105, right? But mm-hmm. did I give her a fever reducer? No, I just let her sit there. I, you know, I gave her some, uh, some homeopathy. I gave her some herbs. I mean, by the next day, she actually was remarkably better, right? Mm-hmm. So that's her. And some kids like, run hot. Other kids, when they're 100.5, they're miserable on the couch, crying. They can't move. They don't want to drink. So look at your child, please, not the number. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, consider a fever reducer if they are so uncomfortable that they can't drink and stay hydrated because that's super important. Mm -hmm. Or if they can't get comfortable enough to fall asleep and have a good night's sleep, because Mm -hmm. sleep really trumps everything when you're sick. So again, you know, really, we want to just make sure that we're we're doing things judiciously, you know, really thinking about what we can do to help our kids. And of course, we don't like to see our kids suffering and uncomfortable, but um, that's where have using the homeopathy. There, there are homeopathic medicines, essential oils, lavender has been shown to help reduce fevers and reduce inflammation. Some acupressure points. There's an acupressure point right here mm-hmm. on the back of your thumb in, yeah. in the web space between your thumb and your mm-hmm. index finger. Mm-hmm. It's called large intestine four. Mm-hmm. This spot has actually been shown in research to reduce pain relieve headaches and reduce fever. So why not put that lavender essential oil right here and massage it in, right? Mm-hmm. So we have some tips and tricks up our sleeves and um, I can give you some some resources too um, to share. That'd with be them. great. We would love yeah, that. Yeah, um, but, but we do have a lot of things that we can do, especially knowing that with coronavirus right now, there's not a lot we can do conventionally. I don't even remember how we started talking about fever, but, but, but I think we were talking about, you know, sugar and diet and lifestyle and that got me on glutathione. So, mm-hmm. Oh, other yeah. stuff. I know our kids yeah. are special needs. Yeah. <laughs> special needs. So vitamin C, vitamin D, fish oil probiotics, glutathione. I mean, those are kind of the foundation. Mm-hmm. Oh, zinc also can help support the immune system. And if you do, if you are a child, a, a, a patient, a mom or a dad, a caregiver of a child with a chronic health concern, definitely don't hesitate to call your doctor if your child is showing signs of illness, mm-hmm. um, because that is something that you know we want to monitor and follow closely right from the beginning. Yeah. And you know, Dr. Lisa, I know you have this awesome course that is what to do when you have the flu, right? And you have that. It's a lot of things there that also apply to the coronavirus. And, you know, at the end, we'll talk about how we can access you because it's a great course. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll give you the link there. I've been trying to think about how to really help help serve families who really need this help. And so mm-hmm. um, Peter and I are trying to think about how to make that as accessible as possible to people, but it's called everyday holistic pediatrics because uh-huh. again, with coronavirus, the symptoms are very similar to a flu-like illness. Mm-hmm. And so just because we don't have any treatment options in our conventional, our medicines, pharmaceutical toolkit, we do know that there are many natural medicines that can help symptomatically, mm-hmm. right? And help um, compress viral illnesses and help help you get better faster. So in that course, I teach families exactly what we're talking about, um, how to use homeopathy, herbs, supplements, essential oils, and acupressure points for not just flu, but for fever, colds, and coughs, right? Because we need a lot of cough support, vomiting and diarrhea, sore throats, pink eye. But you know, we want to have all, as, as a mom, right? I know for me and for you guys, you want to have all the tools you yes. can you know, in your toolkit, because I mean, kids usually get sick in the middle of the night when <laughs> we don't want to go to the ER, but we also want to have things that we can do at home mm-hmm. um, and, and, and feel empowered that we can help our kids. If there's anything to gain out of this, it's that 
there is a learning that can occur here and that the three of us moms always use homeopathy. I have homeopathy mm-hmm. right from the get-go and have been using my entire life, these type of things. This is a gift for parents who realize, you know what, if my kid has a tummy ache, it's a coronavirus, there's something you can do with it. And so yeah. it's a wonderful resource, Lisa, for parents. Um, the other thing I want to tell families is, is, you know, there are, and I know, Roseanne, that we'll be talking about this too, but, uh, and you, you've talked about it a ton, but the fear that we feel as parents is mm-hmm. definitely something that our kids will feel, especially from their mamas, right? There's yes. the parents, are, yes. but there is a bond between mamas and their kids that mm-hmm. um, is really just unlike any other bond. And they will, even if you are trying to hide your fear and mm-hmm. anxieties, they will sense that. Mm-hmm. And it's really important that a couple of things, you know, when we sense that our kids are anxious, even if they're maybe too young to verbalize it or express it in a way that we understand what exactly they're thinking, or maybe they're teens and they are really afraid they're going to die, right? That we need to be able to have that conversation with them. But first, we want to make sure that we are are caring for ourselves Mm -hmm. and being able to be in a place where we can approach this with more preparation and calm. And I'm not going to say that I don't get nervous and afraid sometimes, right? I mean, I I would be lying if I said I'm so calm and mellow throughout this whole thing. Exactly right. Do all the research, and for me, my coping mechanism is to do the research. So we all have to figure out our coping mechanisms, and then when with our children, depending on what age and developmental stage they're at, you know, we want to answer their questions. But really answer the questions they're asking. You know, most kids, they have very concrete questions and they're not, and, and they don't want long-winded answers. I mean, Bodhi nope. the other day, he, he asked me, just out of the blue, we were, we were actually just hanging out, kind of having fun. And just out of the blue, he asked, Mama, is it true that all grandparents are going to die from coronavirus? Uh, and I stopped uh, for a moment I'm thinking, oh my gosh, okay, what do I say? And, and I said, no, that's not true. Actually, you know, most are going to do just fine. And he said, okay. And he was fine with it. You know, he, he didn't want or need a long conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can frame this as, because there are a lot of no's and don'ts in this, right? There's a lot of don't touch your face. No, you can't have a play date, right? Yes. No, we're not having sugar, right? Yes. And so we really want to focus on helping our kids and our teenagers understand what they can do help themselves, keep their bodies strong, their brains strong, and also help our communities. The more they feel, mm-hmm. or we feel that we can be proactive, mm-hmm. um, which is why I'm so glad you're doing the series, the more mm-hmm. that we can be proactive and our kids can feel like, mm-hmm. yes, I, I can do something. In this time of helplessness, I have the power to do something that's going to help me and my friends and my family and my community. That will help relieve the stress that actually can be more inflammatory than anything else that's yes. going on. That's absolutely right. Such a good point. Alisa, thank you for that. I do have a question about glutathione and then um, we can wrap up since I know you probably have patience to see. So glutathione when supplemented is not easily used by the body. And so a lot of people say that glutathione supplements are just very expensive urine. So I'm curious (laughs) about what you recommend in terms of glutathione supplementation. It is true that historically mm-hmm. glutathione has not mm-hmm. been easily absorbed and utilized mm-hmm. by the body, which is mm-hmm. why many people use N-acetylcysteine or NAC, mm-hmm. which is the precursor to glutathione, mm-hmm. which can be more easily absorbed. So you can certainly use N-acetylcysteine. That being said, there are more and more liposomal yes. glutathione products on the market that are more easily absorbed and used by the body. And so I do use a variety of liposomal glutathione. The trick with 
glutathione. And for me as a pediatrician, I'm always on the lookout for supplements that will be relatively easy for kids to take yes. that aren't sugar-filled gummies and yeah. that provide therapeutic value. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with glutathione is that, I mean, just to be straight up, there's just yeah. no way to make glutathione taste great. It tastes bad. It's true. <laughs> it's, like, it's sulfury. I mean, it's yeah. like yeah. rotten eggs. They kind yeah. of taste a little like rotten eggs. But that's <laughs> there, are, there, are, there are some that are definitely better, right? You know, Research Professionals has a pretty good tasting one. Um, Quicksilver Scientific. Quicksilver, yeah. Yep, designs for health. I mean, they're they're fine. My kids' taste buds aren't the best measure because I've been giving them a Chinese herbal formula called Windbreaker since they were babies. And so they just yeah. don't get anything. They don't know. Same with mine. They're taking all the same. Yeah. They don't have any idea. Yeah. But they will take the, the um, Quicksilver uh, and the Designs for Health glutathione with like very minimal fuss. And you know what? It's sometimes we just have to say, you got to do it, right? This is yeah. just what everybody needs right now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. I really yeah. appreciate it. Alisa, as we kind of wrap up with you, and we're going to continue for a few minutes after, what's the best way for everybody to get yes. a hold of you? Um, a couple of uh, different ways. So my blog site is uh, www.healthykidshappykids.com. And that's where I have you know a bunch of different not just coronavirus articles, but, you know, tons of other articles and resources for parents, but, but of most interest right now, I have several coronavirus articles and I'm writing articles. As I mentioned today, I'm just putting the finishing touches on the ibuprofen concern with coronavirus, because my goal is to um, bring as much evidence to the table as possible, but then make it as practical and actionable for parents as possible. And then I have two other places that are are great to follow, especially if you want more live and frequent updates on coronavirus and anything else that's going on relevant for kids. Mm -hmm. So that's my Instagram page, which is Mm -hmm. healthy kids underscore happy kids. And then my Facebook page, which is, um, it's a well, just search Healthy Kids, Happy Kids, and you'll you look me up. It's, yes. it's under Dr. Lisa Song, MD. And then finally, I do have a private Facebook group for parents and practitioners who are really invested in living a more holistic, you know, awesome. kind of integrative lifestyle mm-hmm. for their for their families. That's a thriving child community Facebook group that anyone's welcome to join. It's private just so that I can ask questions, you know, a few different questions yes. before you join, just so I make sure that we really remain a like-minded community mm-hmm. of families and practitioners all over the world who have that same goal to support one another in a very open, loving way mm-hmm. um, while exploring integrative, holistic options. Love that so much. So that we can share them with our tribes too, because you're such a voice of reason and I know everything you do is evidence-based and the Cleopatra and I feel the same about yeah. wellness and it's important and parents need to know there's things that they can do and you know as we move to the topic of what moms can do but thank you so much Dr. Elisa you are incredible. Dr. Elisa, thank you for being here and for taking time out of your day to talk with all of us. This has been so valuable and we'd love any resources that you want to share with our communities. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I'm really, um, really uh, grateful that you are doing this coffee talk you know, for parents. Yes. It's really important. And then bringing on different experts to talk about all the different facets that we as parents need. I will just send you, I just I guess I'll email you all of the links yes. to everything and then you can put those up. Yeah. Looking forward to 
Perfect. Hopefully, if not in person soon, then virtually. Yes, we were supposed to be together in person, which may get canceled. But and we'd love to have you back on uh, to talk about some other topics. So thank you for being here. So wonderful. Always amazing to learn from you. Thank you, Dr. Elisa. Bye, guys. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Yes. Thank you. So Dr. Roseanne, let's bring, now that we, Dr. Elisa Song really laid out the facts for us, let's bring the conversation full circle back to what, what is within our control as moms to manage our anxiety in this very anxious world. And, and a huge part of that equation is simply knowing what the facts are. We now have we have a lot of facts. Exactly. Now that and we love the have, conversation on the fever, I thought that was incredible because yes. it's great to hear from a pediatrician that it's not the number, it's how you're uncomfortable your kid is. Yes. So validating for parents and also to know that there's tools. So yeah, absolutely. So, you know, what are people anxious about? You know, what are we would love to hear from people if you have questions, but you need to, it's perfectly okay to be anxious. But as Elisa said, kids are looking for short little answers from you, right? Cleopatra, your oldest, what has he said to you? Because he's, he's, how old is Apollo now? No, he's not your oldest. Oh, Apollo's actually, today is his second birthday. He's the Happy youngest. Birthday. Happy birthday, Apollo. So our oldest is six, almost seven. And really his questions, because we had been talking them to them very proactively all along, he didn't have a lot of questions about what's going on. Uh, and really now his questions are, when will I go back to school? Is my soccer game going to be canceled? Just just very practical things. The children, our three children, are not exhibiting any uh, signs of anxiety or discomfort because we have been talking to them all along. I think that that just goes to show being proactive and having the conversations can really go a long way to helping to protect our children from feeling anxiety about the unknowns and what's going on. And so every day, it's just a check-in. Here's, you know, here's what's happening We're not sure when school is going to start again, but here are things that we're going to do to keep up your normal schedule, et cetera. We're going to talk a lot lot more later in the week about setting a routine and what that looks like. But I think it's comforting for ourselves. I think as moms, my kids are at work with me today and my kids are used to being at work with me. And many of our employees bring their kids to work because I'm the coolest boss ever. But creating some kind of structure. But I feel like for us moms, or most moms are working moms in America. And so that added stress is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. So find your own routine first. Think about what the kids' school routine is. And that's another way and a tip for parents to manage their own stress. I mean, certainly if you have clinical levels of anxiety before, mm-hmm. this may or may not be harder for you. It mm-hmm. really is unique. Mm-hmm. Some people have clinical anxiety, man, they've got a toolkit. Mm-hmm. They've been working with a therapist. They have things that they use, yoga, whatever it is. Yes. This is when you pull from your toolkit. Don't wait for it to be freakout level. Exactly. Go in there and get your nervous system regulated. You know, you don't have to say anything to your kids. They already know when mom 
or dad is stressed out. Is feeling um, off. They know. Yeah. They know. Mm-hmm. They know. So I think what's really important is dialogue with your kids. You can even say, hey, I feel uncomfortable too. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, I tell the story, you know, I was traveling a lot and I've been on super level antivirals for about four weeks, both Chinese and traditional, a lot of different things. And they worked for me for 25 years that I've been using them. And my little guy a couple of weeks ago said, mom, are you worried about the coronavirus? And I said, you know, hey, Giancarlo, I'm kind of not. Because I'm taking these things. I also use Biocidin throat spray, which is absolutely amazing. And I eat really healthy. And he just kind of said, okay, and went off on his own. That was his question. I mean, I am worried. It's serious, but I'm a healthy person. So I'm much less likely to be impacted. I think that if you have health concerns, it's natural to feel worried, but you've got to put your oxygen mask on. So what are things moms can do for themselves? I think is the question, Cleopatra, that we need to wrap up with. What are things that help? I think that the reality of being in a stressful moment like this or any other stressful moment is that we are living in the most primitive part of our brain, the reptilian brain. We are in stress and emergency mode, fight or flight mode. And every little thing that we can do in the day to bring ourselves out of fight or flight mode and into the sympathetic nervous system where we can rest, digest, restore. That's where we're fighting off disease, where our immune system is strong. Anything that we can do moment by moment, hour by hour throughout the day to bring us back to that place of peace and calm and pleasure is going to serve us in helping us to manage our anxiety and set the tone for our children so that we can help them to manage their own anxiety. So the thing about when the reptilian brain is that when we're in stress, we're either living in the past or we're living in the future. It's rarely in the present moment. There are some extreme exceptions to that. But for the most part, we're not in the moment. So the things that help us to manage anxiety are the things that ground us where we are, where our feet are planted in the moment. So whether that's taking a deep breath, doing nostril breathing, which is really beneficial for calming the central nervous system, whether that's shaking to get the stress and trauma out of our bodies, dancing, jumping, rebounding on a trampoline, whatever it is that brings you back into the moment, brings you back into your body and gives your body and your brain a sense of release and relief. Those are the things that we can be turning to moment by moment instead of going through the day holding our breath, holding our shoulders up without even knowing it and waiting until it is a point of emergency. When we talk about the reptilian brain and and when our nervous system gets activated, our protectively, our frontal lobes actually turn off. So we're not really capable of a whole lot of rational thought, which is why you're either in the past or you're kind of stuck, right? So everyone, there's so many proven ways to help support your nervous system when you're distressed and Mm -hmm. they've got to be healthy, right? So Mm -hmm. we don't want you inside eating Twinkies and drinking beer and having six glasses of wine. Like there's all these funny memes out out there right now. What are things you can do? Journaling, doing breath work. Like Dr. Cleopatra said, I love doing a five, seven, eight breath. So in for five, hold for seven, exhale for eight. Oh, good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Meditation, 
biofeedback, heart math, journaling, prayer. These are things that everybody can do. Yoga, you know, movement, doing some things, you know, and also too, like we're all going to be cooped up together. Mm. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in terms of are we having a formal quarantine? And I'm guessing that we probably will. Mm -hmm. Um, So people need to stock up on things they're not thinking about, like healthy food and games. Exactly. Yoga mat, whatever it is, maybe it's a trampoline, things that can help you relieve stress. If you already see a licensed therapist, prearrange to do video sessions with them. Absolutely. Therapy. It's important. If that is a source of learning and comfort for you, you need to continue that. Mm -hmm. If you are that distressed and you don't have a therapist, reach out to somebody in your community. You know, Mm -hmm. all you have to do is Google. If it's anxiety, you can say anxiety and your town. My town is Bridgefield, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. You Google it and people will come up. Mm -hmm. You're going to find a licensed provider. That's really critical. You want to make sure the person is licensed and not go to somebody who's just a coach or anything. These are clinical issues. And so don't be afraid to reach out. And I think that's important. And then, you know, really stay connected. I I wonder if the system will be able to hold all the FaceTime. Yes, we need to stay connected to one another at this time. It's so true. We do. We do. And don't be a news junkie. It's pretty easy. I know, obviously, we're having experts. We're really trying to open up a dialogue for parents to support their own needs and their children's needs. And I mean, we're just bringing some of the most amazing experts in wellness in the United States are going to be with us every day. So great to be with all of you today. And thank you so much again to Dr. Elisa Song, Dr. Rowe, as always, amazing to be with you. And I can't wait to see you all again. Be well, stay healthy, everybody. Yes, absolutely. Hi there, precious mama. This is Dr. Cleopatra, the fertility strategist and the executive director of the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute. I cannot wait for you to come over and visit us at fertilitypregnancy.org. And I want you to make sure that you stop in and you download the free ultimate fertility checklist. You will learn so much about your fertility that no one has ever told you before, including about the primester and epigenetics during the primester. Don't waste another moment without coming to see us at fertilitypregnancy.org. Every single day matters when it comes to preserving, extending, and igniting our fertility and ensuring that we get to have as many super babies as our heart desires when it's the right time in our lives. I'll see you there. Sending you so much love and warmest wishes and I'm sprinkling all the baby dust in your direction for whenever you want it.